Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. On this podcast, what we're going to do today is we're going to discuss some what we've been watching, and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review and what film is more deserving of a, a meticulous deconstruction than our featured review this week, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, uh, which I think we have to... I think contractually we were obligated to say... By its full name, Fast and Furious uh-huh. presents Hobbs and Shaw every time we mention the title. Well, that's the only yeah. way Vin Diesel gets paid, right? So yeah, there you go. When right. did you guys see Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw? Did you uh, did you go to an early Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw showing or a late Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw showing? First of all, Jeff, it's Fast and Furious, uh, not Fast <laughs> and the Furious. So I just want to correct mm. that there. Indeed, uh, and it's actually what is it? The ampersand. Um, so Fast and Furious, um, but Fast yes, furious. Uh, I saw Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, jeez, it's hard to say. We could we could just um, call it Fafpas for short. Fafpas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Um, so it's been uh, a little bit since we had our conversation last week about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I actually. Looking back on it, that's like an episode I'm very, I'm very proud of. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm very glad that we got to have that dialogue with Lindsay last week. Uh, I think I'm very proud of it too, but mostly because of Lindsay's contribution to the episode, <laughs> not because of what we did. Uh, yes, certainly, <laughs> that was implied. That was implied. Um, and there's been a lot of like, uh, you know, despite how exhausting I found to talk about the, the movie and to tweet about the movie and whatever. Uh, and and read about the movie, e- even though it's all fascinating. Like I would much prefer a movie that is controversial, that is polarizing, that is interesting, that is thought provoking. I'd much prefer that to the regular. Fast and Furious drag- presents Hobbs and John. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, there's been some great pieces that have come out about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like um. Jen Yamato wrote a great piece for the LA Times about the depiction of Bruce Lee in that movie that I uh, really appreciated. And obviously, Lindsay Romain, we talked about her her work last week on the podcast. You should definitely check that out. Uh, I wanted to read an email that we got from somebody. This is like kind of a mini slash film court. Uh, I wanted to get your take on it. This one comes in from somebody who calls themselves The Walter um the walter, the walter writes into slash filmcast at gmail.com uh my girlfriend surprised me with once upon a time in hollywood tickets opening weekend and i was stoked riding to the show with a fantastic gal a 64 ounce camping mug of champagne to sneak in and our road pup i will defend bringing our pup to the movies with great flaming flamethrower fire had me all a buzz we get in pop the champs to wash down the corn we immediately begin munching and everything is grand Fast forward 60 minutes, and this is where we're at now. My girlfriend just let out a deep sigh uh, after something happens that I'm not going to read. It's a plot detail. A dude two seats away has overlapped for the 20th time at a mildly Tarantino moment, and his companion one seat away is reading a book on her phone. Oh, wow. Yes, reading a book on her effing phone in a packed movie theater. Thankfully, she kept her brightness down. Also super thankful that I violently swatted a fly uh, at a fly the other day and missed and hit myself in only my left nut. WTF, I'm pretty good at overcoming distractions with hyperfocus, but this was so effing thoughtless that my mind kept drifting into my own little movie scenes involving this lady's phone, great violence, and essential life lessons. 
Um, speaking of essential life lessons, after the film, I realized the real culprit of this fun murdering experience was passiveness. My girlfriend actively getting me great tickets and then passively coming along, even though Tarantino is iffy for her. That young lady probably doing the same thing for her, man, getting bored and making a decision that ruined all my faith in the future of humanity. Yes, reading is good. Thoughtlessness, not so damned much. And even me, passively avoiding confrontation and just accepting that I will be forever sad and alone in my movie life. Moral... (laughs) Jeff, I live in L.A., save me, end quote. Oh, okay, a few things. Yes, uh, so first, many things, so many Yeah, was there first, a question? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was a question. This is just a, an outpouring, a cry for help, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, uh, maybe that lady was reading Helter Skelter, just like <laughs> trying to catch up real fast. And who are, who are these people? What's going on? Uh, Sharon who? Um no, but it's inexcusable to read at the movie theater. Agreed. But uh, secondly, I appreciate his nonchalant reference to wanting to defend bringing a dog to the theater with flamethrower-like intensity. But you brought a dog to the theater, bro. Yeah, yeah. You lost. You lost. I, mean, I feel like this is a whole like row of just bad, uh, bad movie going. going here, here, on here. Here's why this. Here's why you this. Lost your moral high ground. You yeah. lost your moral high ground instantly. Here's why this email is so fascinating, right? Is because this person, the Walter, uh, who's writing into slash from gmail.com, thinks he is the good one, who yeah. is like amongst the sea of evil. Uh, right. In his movie-going experience, but really, uh, he's deceiving himself because he he is actually one of the assholes. Like, if yeah. you are bringing look a to dog, your left, s- look to your right. <laughs> if, if you don't see a dog, or if you do see a dog, <laughs> you're the asshole. <laughs> that girl um, was probably reading the book on her phone so she wouldn't have to confront you about the farting dog. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it could be that. I, I mean, like let, let's put it this way: unless it is a service animal, which is nowhere indicated. In the email, right? Unless it is a service animal, uh, which would be acceptable, you you do not bring a dog to the movie theater. Plus, this guy bragging about smuggling in a sixty four ounce camping mug of champagne into the theater, which, as oh, we all know, you know as, who who has never, you know, who has not, who among us has bottle. not smuggled in champagne yeah. and a dog into a movie theater? I as mean, I, I, I've smuggled in alcohol into movies. I will not object to that. But the dog, the dog is indefensible. <laughs> Jeff, I think it's saying? more. I think it's more object, objectionable. Ob, I think it's more objectionable <laughs> that it was a camping mug. I mean, that yeah. thing clangs. It yeah. clanks. Uh, you're gonna set that down on the hard floor of a movie theater. I'm gonna hear that. You're gonna knock that thing over. It's gonna roll and go kablung, 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 all down. I I know you. I know you. Your dog yeah. bringing camping mug using complainer. I know you. Uh, you know, people talk about uh, New York movie theaters as being this like lawless lands of uh, <laughs> indecency. This sounds horrific. Is this what going to the movies is like in L.A., Jeff? Uh, not in the places that I frequent, uh, but uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I, I live across the street from a new movie theater. I think you've mentioned Do that. Yeah. Now. yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have I have never experienced uh, in my <laughs> beloved across the street movie theater. I've never experienced anything even remotely like this. Uh, I get I I would get upset at at far far lesser offenses, but uh, this 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 is a this my friends is a bridge too far. <laughs> I, I agree, I agree. So anyway, moral of the story, uh, the Walter, you're so busy policing other people's behavior, you forgot to police your own. 
Who yeah. watches The Watchmen? I think yeah. is the question you got to ask yourself. Yeah. Anyway. Who Walters the Walter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who Walters the Walter? Slashfilmcast at gmail.com is where you can write in if you want to get your email read on the air and then uh, attacked on the air as well. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, think, think as you type. Think about what you're writing <laughs> and will we make fun of it? That's how you, that's how you second guess. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about what we've been watching. Gentlemen, uh, there has been a lot of uh, content in the world recently about the best movies of 2019 so far, right? And I've been reading these lists, and I've been trying to like catch up with some of these movies, uh, and it's been a challenge. Uh, I would say, you know how every year we do a top 10 movies of the year? And we usually say something very generous about the year, like, man, this year's movies were great, and I had such a hard time coming up with this this list this year. Uh, not feeling that way so far about this year, guys. Not feeling yeah. that way about 2019 so far. <laughs> Do you remember when we all guessed that our favorite movie of the year was going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I do remember that. Actually, Jeff, for many people, it is, in fact, their favorite movie of the year, but just not not for the people on this podcast, weirdly. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it'll be my favorite movie of the year. I certainly hope I there will be better movies. I think it might be a little bad, but you know, I don't want to rehash it right now. But suffice to say, yeah, we all predicted that. We also predicted like Glass would be very good. I think the only call we made last year that really held up was that John Wick three would be awesome. Um, and I, I think I, I, for one, I, maybe you guys all agreed. I, for one, uh, predicted that, uh, end game was going to be, <laughs> was going to hold up. Wow. Right. Right. Wow. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Shocking prediction that no one could have ever predicted. I went would... right on on a limb for you guys. You know <laughs> you, what I mean? You really, you know, as my, uh, my boss's boss likes to say, sometimes you really were out on o- over your skis on that one, Jeff. Oh, yeah. You really were out over your skis on that one. Uh, but anyway, okay, where was I going with this? There's been a lot of movies that have come out this year that I haven't seen that have actually made many critics top 10 lists uh, or you know top movies of the year list. One of them was called The Souvenir. This, this movie was ranked as like number one by several critics as one of the best movies of the year. Uh, so I, I'm going to be very vague about what the plot summary is. Uh, this is uh, by director... And writer Joanna Hogg. This movie made quite a splash uh, when I, I believe it was at Sundance this year. And I'll just read this one sentence plot summary A shy but ambitious film student falls into an intense, emotionally fraught relationship with a charismatic older man. Uh, and this movie is available on video on demand. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I think this movie is very well made. It's very well done. It's trying to do something very specific, which is to depict a toxic relationship. And I think it does that very well. It does it in a way that is extremely convincing, that offers insight into what would cause someone to want to stay in such a situation. Uh, and in particularly, like particularly the performances by the actors are uh, very fascinating. You got Tilda Swinton and her real-life daughter, Honor Swinton Byrne playing like a mother and daughter on the screen. Um, Honor Swinton Byrne plays Julie, who's the protagonist of the film. Uh, and the uh, guy that she's involved with, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating uh, performance, really. Like, it's, it's really something that is unlike anything I've ever seen before in a movie that depicts a romance. Um, Tom Burke is the guy, uh, an English actor uh, who plays uh, Julie's boyfriend in the movie. 
And uh, yeah, I, I mean, if that's what you're looking for, a fascinating, insightful depiction of a toxic relationship, this is the movie for you. When, when I tweeted about this movie uh, afterwards, I said, Midsummer has nothing on this shit, which is something I truly believe. I think that like people were saying, oh my gosh, Midsummer is such a fascinating depiction of a toxic relationship. I'm like, this this is really the stuff that you know you want to inject in your veins if you are looking for something along those lines as the souvenir. Um, because it is so much more, in my opinion, realistic, so much more, I mean, obviously Midsummer is not necessarily trying to be realistic, but it's like, I find it to be much more relatable and I find the performances to be much more, uh, convincing. And I just find this depiction to be, uh, really excruciating to watch. So if that's what you're looking for, I think the souvenir is going to check those boxes for you. And if it's not, then... You don't need to watch this movie. It's very easy to avoid. But I think it's well done. Uh, and that is The Souvenir. Have any of you heard just, anything about it? I have, I'm just yeah. sitting here uh, thinking about what it must like must be like to grow up with Tilda Swinton as your mom. Yeah. That's I mean, got to be an experience, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, she is one of our finest actors alive yeah. today, you know? So, Seems like an intense person, you know? Yeah. Agreed. I just I was re-watching Endgame, and she's, she's in that for a few minutes. So that was a delight to see. Yeah, um, best movie of the year. <laughs> according to Jeff Kanata, exactly. <laughs> That's the souvenir. It's available on uh, video on demand right now. Is, is that something uh, you guys think you might be interested in checking out sometime? Nope. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, yeah. Not, not really. Very, very little about that sounds compelling right now. Yeah, yeah. The whole way you describe it, mostly the way you describe it makes oh, really? me want to never then, watch it. Maybe I'm doing a bad job then. You know, mm. maybe I'm doing a bad job of... of I mean... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Davindra, you know, Blue Valentine, right? That was a good uh-huh, one, right? Uh-huh. Kind of like That's that. Very good. Yeah. It's kind of like a uh, a period piece version of that, you know? Yeah. And also a movie I will never watch again. So why would I want to watch something? <laughs> well, like you want to watch something that approximates it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that feeling you never wanted to repeat? <laughs> this, this repeats that. This repeats it. This gives you a way to yeah. repeat that feeling. That's the souvenir. It's available on video on demand. The Avenger Hardware, what are you watching? Uh, I have finished Euphoria on HBO. And I have to say, um, yeah, I talked about the pilot here when it first aired, and it's definitely like a big, bold, in-your-face kind of thing. Uh, having finished the entire season, though, I believe it's just eight episodes, um, this show this show is fantastic. This show, to me, um, does what Succession did last summer, where it was this thing that came out of nowhere and just ended up being this kind of groundbreaking really interesting, fascinating uh, look at a world, uh, I don't know, that, that is often explored in movies. Uh, so Euphoria is about uh, you know, an unnamed suburb in the U.S. Uh, and high school kids there who are just, uh, you know, uh, they're going through things. They're going through a lot. And it stars uh, Zendaya as a girl who is, you know, she's dealing with drug issues. She's out of rehab. She's trying to piece her life back together and just trying to find, you know, some semblance of normalcy in her life. This show, I think, just like Succession, really survives on its characters. Like, it does a lot of things. Like, it, it feels like a stereotypical high school thing at times where you have the the jock who is kind of the villain of the piece. Uh, you have the cheerleader. You have, like, the typical group. But I think every character is really well done and really interesting. You could tell, like, there's a lot going on in these characters. Um, so I find that all really fascinating. And I think you guys should both watch this just because the filmmaking in the show is astounding. Like this show is always on. It's always moving. Um, somebody wrote about how it's trying to approximate 
uh, sort of like uh, Martin Scorsese type energy in the way everything is shot. And it's really much that it's sort of like this is a show that's dealing with kids uh, on drugs and dealing with very dramatic things. And the camera always moves like that in really inventive and cool ways. So I think it's a really good looking show. Um, I believe Drake uh, is one of the producers and I, either because of him or their music supervisor, uh, they always get some just great music within it too. So it has these great needle drops throughout. Um, and mostly it's just like, I think it's a really fascinating look at high school life. Uh, what's really interesting is that it's, uh, you know, it's on HBO. So it's, this isn't like Riverdale. This is a show where people can swear openly. Like there's a lot of nudity. And honestly, I think the show makes up for game of Thrones, lack of full frontal male nudity because there are a lot of dicks, so many dicks. Uh, and it's not afraid about that. Like, I think that's kind of interesting. There's one section, uh, there's like one uh, moment in the show where Zendaya just has like a dick pic tutorial, like just like, you know, th this is what makes a good dick pic and like going through every aspect of that. And I found that kind of fascinating and interesting to see in a teen show where and useful. I think even, yeah, well, kind of useful. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, this is for a lot of kids like this. This is actually a normal thing. Like, it's not a weird um like sexual deviant thing like this isn't like wiener or something right this is like kids lives and it's kind of normal for them in a weird way um and i'm sure not for every kid but it's it's fascinating to see it handled in like a mature way in like uh i don't know informative way it's not like shaming people for doing this too um it's going through a lot i, I think it's a really fascinating show i would love to see uh what you guys think if you ever end up checking it out i will say for anybody who wants to watch the show uh, go past the pilot because I think the pilot really tries hard to wow you with the filmmaking and like with how far the show is going to like be kind of brutal and mean. But I think if you give it a couple episodes, like there is a subtlety to it that I think is kind of fascinating. And uh, the show is created by Sam Levinson, who did Assassination Nation. Uh, he's Barry Levinson's son, apparently. So I feel like I, I don't know, maybe I, I feel some of the influence of like crafting really interesting characters. Uh, carries over there um well worth watching my favorite show of the summer so far well, that's euphoria season one is available right now on hbo that's what yeah. the finger has been watching jeff canada how about you well i have been watching the boys which is the new show on amazon uh but I, I believe we'll be doing a full episode on the boys so i don't know if, how much i want to go into it um, obviously the first episode of the boys is directed by friend of the show, our friend, one of my best friends, uh, Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, so, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt there, but, um, really enjoying it so far. And I know that we're going to talk at length about that whole series, uh, based on a comic book by Garth Ennis that, um, uh, I have owned, I own <laughs> actually, after I watched a few episodes, I pulled out the comic and flipped through it to see if I remembered correctly, what was correct and what was different. Um, so, you know, it, I think it'll be an interesting discussion when we delve into it, but it's certainly a show I am enjoying very much. All right. Well, that's the boys and it's streaming right now on Amazon. Let's move on. Before we get to our review of fast and furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, uh, we got to thank all the people who donated to the podcast this week. Uh, this week we want to thank Benjamin Phelps, who has a podcast called Twin Movies with Ben and Gabe. Uh, and apparently what this movie, co this podcast covers is this phenomenon of twin movies. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like it's when movies Dante's come out. Peak, Dante's yeah. Inferno, and yeah. 
what is the other one? Dante's yeah. Peak and uh, Volcano. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, your yeah. Volcano movies correct here. Deep Impact and that other one. Armageddon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one almost made me angry that you didn't know that one, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Dark City and The Matrix, uh, Bugs Life and Ants, The Score and The Heist. Uh, that's what they cover on their podcast called Twin Movies, and Ben made a very generous donation. He also, I mean, this this donation had everything. It had a a, a plug for his own podcast, a very heartfelt uh, you know, kind of note about what he loves about the Slice Filmcast, plus a drawing of us. Did you guys see this drawing? That yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's pretty. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I guess my head is like very square shaped. Is really what my takeaway from this drawing is. Um, well, it's good you finally realized it. it thanks. It's been a long time coming, I guess, that you make make that connection. But we'll uh, we'll tweet out the drawing from the slash filmcast Twitter account. So if you want to check out that drawing, go to twitter.com slash slash filmcast. Um, but thanks to Ben for his very generous donation and uh, for listening to the show. And of course, if you want to support what we do here on the podcast, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or go to slashfilm.com, click on the slash filmcast tab. Use the PayPal links on the side of the page. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you hardship. Uh, if you want to support us without contributing any money whatsoever, there's many ways to do that. Uh, the best way is just to leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever your fine podcasts are downloaded. So all that said, gentlemen, let's get to our review of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Luke Hobbs and Decker Shaw. We've got unfinished business. Your sister took something from me. A virus that could wipe out half the population, and I want it back. You want to tell me just what we're dealing with here? It's my sister. Family business. When it's the fate of the world, it becomes my business. This whole thing sounds really dodgy. Look after your sister. Listen, I'll handle it. The only way we survive is working together like a team. Let's do this. Buckle up, fat boy. On my three. One. Ah! <laughs> Woo! That was from the trailer of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. It's directed by David Lynch, written by Chris Morgan and Drew Pierce. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cybergenetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. Now to get into He's an outcast now? That's what he is? Not murderer. <laughs> to get into outcast. this to get into this uh to get into this uh review, I actually want to start by reading this email from Mahesh K, who writes into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Looking forward to your review of Hobbs and Shaw, although I can't imagine there's much to say, but meh. My email is about two things that happened at the theater that I wanted to talk slash ask about. Number one, tenet. When the syncope logo appeared to kick off the teaser of Chris Nolan's oh, new movie, man. Tenet, I immediately perked up in my seat like a meerkat. Before my friend asked me what was going on, I muttered, Nolan? Then the Chris Nolan font appeared. You know that font. And I knew. <laughs> Holy shit. New Nolan movie, I exclaimed. And yes, it's coming less than a year from now. I was so amped. The crowd went nuts and burst out in applause and cheers once that trailer ended. I can't wait. I already know I'm going to see it in 70mm IMAX when it comes out. Uh, so let's pause here for a moment. Did any of you guys see the Tenet trailer? Um, you know, I've heard a lot no. of uh, people talking about this, and yeah, I did not get that experience. I'm very annoyed. So, yeah. yeah. I saw Hobbs and Shaw at a, at a press screening, so I did yes. not get a chance to yeah. see the Tenet trailer. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, that's it's pretty freaking badass uh, because these days, you know, trailers, for those who don't know, like, they're often dropped online on YouTube uh, pretty much the same time as they go into movie right. theaters. Right. And so by the time you are sitting in the movie theater, you've already had 15 chances to see that trailer on your phone, right, before you get to the movie theater. Uh, but... Tenet trailer was apparently attached to uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I, as, as of right now, I don't believe it has been released yeah. online. Right? Like, I Christopher don't think Nolan is like, this trailer is only good for theaters, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's almost no like the guy really values the movie-going experience. <laughs> yeah, so much so that he really thinks trailers are an important part of it, Jeff. Um, yeah, and but... that people should watch them. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay, so that was the first part of Mahesh's email. The second part, uh, this one is borderline slash film court, but I'm interested in your opinion. Thanks to AMC A-List, I've been taking advantage of seeing all the new movies as soon as possible in as many premium formats as possible in New York City, either IMAX at Lincoln Square, Dolby Cinema at 34th, or Dolby Prime at 42nd. They're all great, but I have a pet peeve. Just after the trailers and before the film, they decide to run ads about the format itself. So in an IMAX theater, they run an ad about IMAX, and in Dolby, they run ads about the features of Dolby. And my question is, Why? They already got this my money. was black. <laughs> yes, yes. Why are they advertising the thing I already bought while I'm using it? It seems to make no sense of anything. Why don't they run those ads in normally projected theaters to convince those viewers to shell out and go to a premium showing? They, they can't because they literally can't. <laughs> yes, that's Because right. the technology's not there that's for it. Right, <laughs> that's right, Devendra. That's there, by the way, to tell people like 95% of the people in that audience have no clue what the advantage is of what they're in. So it's like the next time you go to the movies, you're like, oh, this movie was bigger. It was brighter. Uh, I will pay the extra money again for my next movie. Yeah, I think he's – Yeah, it's a misnomer to call it an ad. It's not an ad. It's a PSA. Yeah. Yeah, it is informing you of the technology you are witnessing. It's a it's an explainer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think what uh, Mahesh is also getting at here, or, or I mean, I don't think he's getting at it, but he, he's he's inadvertently pointing out that much of advertising exists to make you feel good about your decisions. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that is true that like when you get advertised something, it's very likely you already own that thing and they just want you to feel good that you own that thing. That's um, literally all of Apple's advertising is to make you feel good and make you want to be part of the people who feel good. Yeah. I don't know about all, you, you know, I'm already I, bought this. Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all, but yeah, I, I think certainly some of it is. And as Devendra very aptly points out, it is physically impossible for them to run ads for Dolby or IMAX in theaters that are not Dolby or IMAX because uh, the theaters are not equipped with Dolby or IMAX. So, well, gentlemen, Fast and Furious, or Fast and the Furious, or the Fast and the Furious, uh, one of the most improbable cinematic universes that has ever been developed. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think certainly. After uh, three entries that were not universally regarded as good, uh, it is pretty remarkable that not only has uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise survived until this point, it's one of the most successful film franchises on the planet, and it has spinoffs now. Hobbs and Shaw. Isn't it interesting how everybody tried to do what Marvel did, and the only people that have managed to make that work is fast and the furious <laughs> yeah I mean? because they had this improbable like long history of doing this it's like if the blade movies just kept being made <laughs> and you know bigger and bigger yeah sort of well, like. it, 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 i think the lesson is that <laughs> a lot of a lot of these franchises or whatever production 
entities tried to impose it on a, a property. Yes. Yes. And in both cases, in Marvel and here in Fast and the Furious, it happened organically. It it yeah. it it however improbably it built up over time and just became a thing that it wasn't planned ahead of time. It wasn't uh, forced. It wasn't forced. It grew based on actual popularity and. You know, I think that's I think that's important. Yeah. And shout out to Justin Lin for basically resurrecting this franchise. Yeah. And leading leading all this. Because he yeah, made Justin films and three, four and five, I believe. Right. Yeah. Am I right about that? And six. And uh, six. Maybe he didn't do four then. Wait, am I? No, he did. He did three, four, five and six. Yeah. OK. OK. Wow. That's a lot. That's a Come lot on. Of Fast Dave, and Furious. David Chen. Yeah. You are. I, I thought you were my bro. I, I thought. I thought you were yeah, my... you're right. I, I also thought I was a Fast and Furious scholar. Um, you, you thought yeah. he was family? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's kind of like, uh, hey, you'll find your soulmate when you're not uh, really looking. Uh, you'll build a cinematic universe when you're not really trying. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happened with Fast and the Furious. Uh, and actually, you know, uh, even like you notice like uh, the DC movies, right? Uh, when they were really, really trying hard at, w- at it with movies like Man of Steel and Justice League and... Uh, uh, Batman v Superman. It wasn't working out super well for them. Like those movies were not very good. Uh, but then they have released at this point three genuine hits in a row. Uh, they got Aquaman. They were Wonder like, Woman. Fuck it. yeah, yeah. And, and stop like, trying, stop trying. <laughs> those movies have very minimal universe building elements in them, and uh, I think that is to their strength. Uh, and I think they're probably going to continue that trend with the next Wonder Woman as well. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, when you don't try, that's when you succeed the most. But uh, let's get to this movie, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I mean, I don't know what your expectations were, Devendra, but mine were not super high. I think, nope. I think this movie really understands what it is. When Idris Elba walks into the scene in the opening of this film and people point their guns at him and ask, who is this? Who are you? And he says, bad guy. Uh, which is just short shorthand for who he is, winking and nodding uh, at the audience, but also it's kind of the movie's way of indicating, hey, we know we're all just here to have fun. We're right. all just here to watch an action movie. Uh, and given that, Devendra, how well do you think this movie succeeded? Uh, I mean, listen, I have uh, I have standards for the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> and maybe they're unacceptable. Maybe the, this is not what the general public are looking for from an action movie. Um, I wanted to love this movie. I feel like on paper, everything about it is something I'd really enjoy. Like, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham teaming up in the Fast and Furious universe directed by David Leitch and Idris Elba is the bad guy. And like, oh man, there's so many things in here. Uh, what is it? Vanessa Kirby. Um, I want to love all this. And I think the moment I knew I didn't really like this movie is that uh, that first scene. Where the bad guy line that was actually in the trailer. <laughs> the moment I knew I didn't yeah. like the movie was when it started. <laughs> when, it when it started, pretty much, um, because it's one of those things where I'm fine with like movies being tongue in cheek. Like I, if that's the vibe of the movie, totally, like totally, it, it can be good. Like I think you could play with that. I think uh, movies like Blade Two, things I love very well, can be that. I think this movie is is just is just really trying to be tongue in cheek. And there are like, I don't feel like there are any stakes. I don't feel like anybody like the rock is a Superman 
Idris Elba calls himself Black Superman. Jason Statham is angry British Superman. Like, it's all, you know, this franchise has really gone off the rails many times, but I I can accept it in certain ways. Like, I can accept cars flying through skyscrapers. I can accept the Fast and Furious gang uh, facing off against a tank and, uh, you know, dragging it uh, safe down the street because... These are basically like regular people thrown into a crazy situation. And they've always reacted to it like that. Whereas in this movie, um, well, Dwayne Johnson's perfect. He's a great cop. He's a, he's a good dad. He, he walks into every room. He kicks ass. He winks at the ladies. Um, Jason Statham's perfect. He's super rich. He has, he has a random lady uh, sleeping next to him. Uh, he gets a pint in the morning. He has a supercar. Uh, nobody is ever in danger. Nobody ever really gets hurt. Um, this movie does the, uh, what was that movie? The, uh, the Will Ferrell movie where there were cops, uh, the other guys, the other guys, this movie does the other guys thing where the rock is it. It's, it's, it's the rock too, right? The rock and Samuel L. Jackson yeah. uh, are like aim for the bushes, aim for the bushes, jumping off a ceiling or jumping off a rooftop and they die because that's what you do in an action movie, except you, you know, you'd actually die. This movie does that for reals. And it looks terrible. Um, I think there's some great set pieces in here. Like there, there's a motorcycle chase. It's really inventive. Uh, I don't think David Leitch could make a bad looking action movie. Uh, he like everything's well shot. It's just I feel like there are no stakes. I didn't feel like I cared about anything that really happened here. Uh, there was no hashtag family. And I did really miss the Fast and Furious crew. I missed the like sort of gravitas that the D's brought to this franchise. And, um, you know, I guess I missed actual stakes. And also, why the hell is this movie two hours and 17 minutes long? I I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Um, so here's the thing. Like, it's a perfectly enjoyable action movie, I think, to most people. To me, as somebody who loves Fast and Furious, and uh, when I see the title Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, I'd actually like to, you know, think it was Fast and Furious presenting it, and this doesn't feel like that. You were talking about the beginning of this film, Devendra, and the movie yeah. opens with a cover of the song Time in a Bottle, which uh, people who love movies <laughs> might remember from uh, the X-Men movies, the uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. That's sort of a Quicksilver sure, scene, sure. right? And uh, I, I, you know, I love that song, and I think the cover is fine. It's interesting. Uh, but I could not really figure out why they use that song at the beginning of the movie. And when yeah, I was talking yeah. it over with my wife afterwards, she really she did a really great job of trying to like explain why it might be. Which which is like that song is about like if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. So it's like maybe it's about all this time that Jason Statham's sister, Vanessa Kirby uh didn't have together and like the fact that she's sure. now an MI6 by herself is really uh, a comment on uh their lost childhood even though by the way in real life Jason Statham is 20 years older than Vanessa Yeah, how they grow up together? I don't I don't know how that works. By the way, my my issue with that first scene isn't just like the way Idris Elba introduces himself like that being tongue in cheek is totally fine. It's the fact that the, this is like a group of MI6 agents going in to do like some sort of secret mission and dude just kind of like revs up. Like, does he ride his motorcycle like up behind him, or he just like walks behind them? And it's a it's a very long thing. Like nobody's reacting to anything. It's one of those action movie things where all of a sudden bad guys behind them. It just felt really it felt really cheesy. 
Well, to be great, you're forgetting the fact that his motorcycle is mind-controlled powered. Oh, yeah. Are we doing spoilers for this? Are we doing spoilers? Not yet. No, not yet. Um, You can't, you cannot spoil the ending of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, Jeff. Yeah. Like, you need to, you need to sit tight. Yeah. All right. Jeff. Oh, actually, before I go to Jeff, I do just want to say one thing, which is that I think that, uh, per what you said, Devendra, David Leach does a great job of shooting the action in this movie, that um, he and Chad Stahelski directed John Wick uh, chapter one and ever since John Wick chapter one you've gotten like movies that they've like they direct that movie together but then like yeah. you have the John Wick chapter two and three and like and this like movie, a friendly rivalry between the them yeah. the uh, stunt work is all generally very strong and the camera kind of often shoots in wide it, it often shoots uh, longer continuous takes so that you can see that like these people are actually getting hit uh, you can appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into it uh, and so I think from an action perspective, it's very strong. I, I echo your feelings that the movie is way too long. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my feelings about Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Took, Although took the you a while title, to get to the limerick. <laughs> the title alone doesn't fit in a limerick. So there's that. <laughs> too, too difficult. Okay, here, here we go. When a self-serious British bloke and a charming Samoan who's yoked combine to punch things, it's a bit surprising that the action's not as good as the jokes. Mm. Oh. What, is this yoked, is a, what does yoked mean? Uh, muscle Pulp? bound. Yeah. Ah. You've never heard the term yoked? No. Really? Is that like a West <laughs> Have Coast Have you thing? seen us, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen us? <laughs> Have you seen us in real life? Uh, yeah. yeah, yoked is a slang term for... Muscle bound. Huh. Anyhow, um, I think this is actually a pretty fun comedy, but a pr- overlong, bloated, goofy action movie that uh, that I, I don't know. You just went on a whole long diatribe about how much you enjoyed the action. I I didn't really think the action was very good. Um, I, I actually I kind of agree with you, Jeff. I think there's some standout set pieces, but. There's a lot of CG. There's a lot of like stuff that doesn't feel even as realistic as just seeing the cars in the the normal Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, there's a there's an action sequence toward the beginning, which is what I wish the whole movie was. Which is it's basically uh, it takes place on in the skyscraper, and it, it, the Rock attacks the enemies and goes down the skyscraper in a very it's big, in the trailer, dumb, so it's not spoilery. Okay, yeah. big, dumb, muscle-bound guy way. And and Jason Statham goes down in a smart, suave James Bond way. That's and his I was, sister who's being uh, being kidnapped. So it's right. like, and, you're very nonchalant about this whole thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and I kind of wish the whole... I mean, the movie starts drawing a stark contrast between them, and I kind of wish the whole movie was just that. Of yeah, yeah. Here's an action sequence, and the entire concept of the action sequence is how these two people are doing the action sequence in two completely different movies. Yes. Like, the, and it starts doing that, and I was like, that's kind of clever. I mean, I think that action sequence is actually pretty stupid, but I think because, you know, jo- The Rock is just like, I'm going to free fall out of this window for no reason. But me- meanwhile, Idris Elba's character is just running down the side of the building, which I think that's legit cool. You could yeah. do something like that. But yeah, the follow up is. Eh. Yeah. But the idea of the concept of that, yes. which I yeah. wish was the entire concept of this movie. I mean, the movie starts after that Id- Idris Elba scene, which you guys have mentioned. It, it starts proper with our main characters in straight up split screen where we're seeing 
these contrasting lives, right? Yeah. Contrasting and perfect lives, yes. They're both perfect, but they're, you know, and by the way, quick side note, I love how the American grassroots salt of the earth dude that it, this movie is like version of Americana lives in LA. Oh yeah. Hot, the heart of liberal snowflake. Uh, you know, I love how LA in this movie is the heartland of America. But Jeff, he drives a pickup truck. I know. Tell us where the rock is. Jeff. I think if you asked, if you asked someone uh, in a particular demographic, if anyone in LA drives a pickup truck, they'd be like, "No, they're all in Priuses." They're all in you know? Priuses. Yeah. Uh, so I love that they like make LA the like America, the heartland, which I don't. You don't ever see movies do that. That's kind of fun. Anyway, that was a quick side note. But yeah, the 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 contrast between America and Britain, the polished, suave guy, and the you know, salt of the earth, punch him first and, you know, meathead guy. I think that's a very fun concept. It's like these guys are literally in two separate movies that happen to overlap right, right. throughout. It, the movie just completely abandons that pretty fast. And that's a bummer. Uh, it's also crazy to me that the Idris Elba character basically in the, in the uh, the Fast and Furious universe, which is a universe built on street racing and yes. cars and sh- over over combination DVD and VHS players, yes, yeah, yes, exactly, <laughs> so true uh, that he literally has cyborg technology, <laughs> but that's not even what the movie's about. Like he has cyborg technology. There's like, yeah, we got cyborg technology, yeah. but what we really want is the MacGuffin of this movie. <laughs> but like, it is, which, which is like, basically the plot of mission Impossible two, by the way, but yes. like, just straight up lifted that. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's crazy to me that nobody's like, wait, isn't it pretty important <laughs> that this dude is a straight up cyborg? And no, like, Jeff, <laughs> nothing is important because we're too busy being tongue in cheek about every, everything. Like nothing's well, important. That's what I liked about it, honestly. I mean, the the most fun I had in this movie was Ryan Reynolds popping up. Uh, was uh, uh, let's not give away all the cameos in the pre. Yeah, yeah, I won't. I won't give away all the cameos, but he's pretty early on, yeah, and he yeah. brings a lot to the table. He's he's genuinely hilarious. I'm like, oh, I want a The Rock Deadpool movie. Can we just do that? Uh, because I think that would be fun. It's like they knew they needed ringers to come in and add a little levity, but also I think the scenes where some writer's room just came up with a uh, five pages of insults for each of them to give to each other. Like I was having fun watching them rip into each other, you know, deadpan these ridiculous insults to each other. Right, that's, right. that's kind of fun. So I actually had some fun in this movie. It is way too long. There's a point where I'm like, Oh God, think we're, thankfully we're ending. Yeah. yeah I thought it was like the we're, movie's we're over go across the world. Okay. Yeah, it's an entire another act of movie to yes. play out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it, it's, yeah, it, <laughs> it's not a great experience. I did have some fun with it though, because of the funny, it, it, right, it is right. genuinely, there's a few scenes that are genuinely funny and I genuinely laughed at. So I have to mo- give the movie credit for that. And I think that both of the leads are charismatic enough and they bring in other actors that are charismatic enough that it makes those things play. But the set pieces, I didn't, like the story as such as it is, is laughable. 
and you know it doesn't do any service to the Fast and Furious franchise. It feels like it's 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 in a it's a superhero movie. It's not yeah. even a Fast and Furious movie. It's Tango and Cash with some of the biggest movie stars alive right now, basically, I guess. And uh, I have to say, yeah, if this movie were half an hour shorter, like there's so much stuff to cut out in this movie. Uh, There's a point we'll talk about in spoilers, I guess. But yeah, it could have been so much better. Just shorter. All right. Well, let's get to spoilers for Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Well, I need to say something right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot to cover in the spoilers. There's a lot to cover, but... Uh, this is a little self-serving, but the biggest thing that I came away from, and we're in spoilers, not just for this movie, but <laughs> for my show, The Dungeon Run, the th- the last act of this movie, we did uh, in The Dungeon Run. We did it, like beat for beat, before this movie came out. Th- there's two episodes of my Dungeons & Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. Uh, one of them is called A Night on the Beach, and the next is called The Battle for Bingle. And it is exactly <laughs> what happens at the end of this movie. It is an island that the bad guys are coming to, that the heroes have to defend. They set up a perimeter of fire around the edge. They have to use the indigenous people and the indigenous weapons to prepare, to get ready, that they stand, and then they stand there as the sun sets and they go, okay, they're coming for it. It is like beat for beat what we did in the dungeon run. <laughs> it was a surreal experience for me watching this. Oh, I, was wow. like, I just made all this up. I did this. It's You're crazy. like the lady who wrote that uh the like Matrix short story in the eighties and like they they just they made my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well Jeff, um, you know what they, they actually have a phenomenon for uh, what you just described. Uh it's called a twin movie. Uh, <laughs> oh callback right there. There you go. Anyway, uh okay. So much to discuss. First, there's there's been there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of news around Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh one of the big stories that broke was the Wall Street Journal had a description of what is in these uh actors contracts and apparently uh, according to this story which like I I don't know if I fully believe but according to this story there there's stipulations in Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson's contract saying like they cannot be beat up too much. <laughs> like for every punch they take I believe that. they need yeah. to give and you know, per what Devinger said, it is true that in this movie they don't get beat up very much, right? Like that—that's also my contract for the slash film cast. Um, yeah. So and yet, uh, that's... and yet, you write the limericks every week. Yeah, um, but, but we have a separate uh, clause just for any Avatar-related topics. So yeah, we're free to beat um, you up there. But yeah, so so I, the thing is, I don't necessarily because here's the thing: is um, <laughs> they have shown themselves very willing to make fun of their own tough guy personas in the past. Yeah, many people spy! have pointed out Jason spy! Statham's like performance in Spy, which is very funny. Uh, and so, if they are so like tongue in cheek and they're so willing to make fun of each each other or themselves, why would they then have these contracts that say like they can't get beat up too much? That's <laughs> it feels incongruous. I don't feel like we have the full story there. Right. But who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I wouldn't point to that as being like part of the failure of this movie. Like to me, it's more like, remember when we talked about skyscraper guys and like, it's kind of my thing. Like how many times has the rock like just beat everybody up to save his family while being the perfect American boy scout and while being this like paragon of nobility and, and everything like he's, he's a perfect human being. 
I, I understand the appeal of that. I understand the appeal of those types of rock movies. But it was funny to me, even when we reviewed The Meg, which stars Jason Statham, who is a little more willing to be the lovable rogue and the guy who, like, can, you know, screw up and, like, have issues. Like, just looking at those two movies separately uh, really brought that aspect together to me. And just seeing this movie is sort of like, well, okay. Now, once again, The Rock is perfect being being the perfect guy. It's It's so interesting, I guess. Another piece of controversy that arose was around Justice for Han. Now, friend of the show, Matt Singer, I think wrote a great piece about this at ScreenCrush.com, which is the character of Shaw. Uh, and Matt Singer wrote this piece for Screen Crush called, Why is Shaw a Good Guy Now? Even the Fast <laughs> and Furious movies don't seem to know. And essentially in this article, and we'll link to it in the show notes, he lays out this uh, the, the evolution of Shaw's character over time. Uh, where uh, he was introduced as the guy who murdered Han. Uh, and then at the beginning of, I think it was Furious 7, murders a whole hospital full of people just to hang out with his brother and then <laughs> just keeps on murdering folks. But then all of a sudden he becomes a good guy at some point and now we're supposed to root for him. Um, and that is a very jarring and incongruous thing to do. Many people, of course, were hoping that there would be hashtag justice for Han in this movie. Uh, and that Shaw would eventually answer for his crimes. Um, in fact, Chris Morgan, screenwriter of this uh, this uh, movie, said in an interview to Entertainment Weekly, quote, I love Justice for Han. Sung Kang, who plays Han, is a great friend, and Han is a character I adore. I would say that the super arc for Deckard Shaw is going to be one of the most interesting, cool, rewarding character arcs of the franchise. Justice for Han is owed. It's something we have discussed for a very long time and want to give the right due to. I think the audience will be satisfied to know it's coming. There's a line in Hobbs and Shaw that is right before the battle in Samoa where Shaw says to his sister, there's things I've done that I have to make amends for. That line was specifically written and put in there just to let everyone know that he is talking about Han. It is on his mind. It tortures him, and he's going to get to it, end quote. It tortures him in his uh, fancy-ass apartment while driving his you know, supercar. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's tortured torture as the subtext for literally every scene he's in yeah jeff did you tortured. feel did you feel like uh that uh shaw was really really torn up about han and, and killing han in uh in the <sighs> fast and furious tokyo drift i want to tell you the experience i had at a press screening for this movie <laughs> uh -huh, okay uh -huh. so this is a press screening it's not a it's a it's an unusual thing that we get to do and i understand talking about these things can be even annoying to listen to i'm or annoyed already about. just hearing you talk yeah. right now yeah uh but it is the, this is the assembled press uh, uh who's going to cover this movie it's it, we're happening before the movie comes out somebody walks out before the movie starts at the front of the theater and says hey everybody thanks for coming just want to say, uh, don't leave when the movie ends because there's going to be some pretty great scenes yeah. after the credits. <laughs> what? Did that happen to you too, Dave? No. No, no but it is something that uh, I heard happened. And, uh, of course, I did stay for the uh, post-credit sequences. So, of course, this movie makes a big deal about who is the mysterious puppet master pulling the strings, which, of course, I'm thinking ties into Han. It must. How oh. could it not? Oh. And of course I'm thinking because this PR person made such a big deal about sticking around to the end of the very end of the credits to see some pretty great ending scenes. I'm like, well, this is clearly what's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to get this big 
you know, Samuel Jackson walking out at the end of Iron Man (laughs) type moment where it just it's all going to lay out the groundwork for what's coming next in the Fast and the Furious franchise. So after this very long movie, I'm sitting glued to my seat for these very long end credits. And what happens is we get a couple of jokey jokes. We get a couple of throwaway jokey jokes uh, in the end credits. And there was one there was one after the Ryan Reynolds thing because I didn't stick around. Yes, there is another one after the Ryan Reynolds thing that is absolutely pointless. Yeah, I'm glad I ran to the bathroom instead. Yes. And. First, the idea that somebody would be like, you're going to want to stick around is, is <laughs> After ridiculous. this two hour and 15 minute movie, just hold your bladders. Just like keep it tight. Two uh, more, okay, okay. Two, two of the more films, one-liners you're not going to want to miss. To, to the film's credit, to the film's credit, uh, the Ryan Reynolds stuff is uh, does have a reference to the end of Game of Thrones, which means that they would have <laughs> had to does shoot it? it. They would have had to shoot it in the last like two months, which is actually mildly yeah. impressive that they did that. I think all of the Ryan Reynolds stuff was thrown in at the very end. He never interacts with he's only ever <laughs> isolated yep. from the rest of the movie. Yep. So yes, I it's think it's very possible all, all the Ryan Reynolds stuff was like reshoots. They literally like, called in a called in a ringer to yeah. make the movie more fun. And yeah. it worked because every scene he's in is the most fun of the movie. But the the, the the movie makes such a big deal about raising the question of who this puppet master is yeah. and does absolutely nothing to settle that point or even tease it. This does nothing to tease like, well, you're going to get some more information about this later. It's just unanswered. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty well, frustrating. Also, the powers of this uh, this organization and their, their supercomputer, I guess, or something like um, they can just make news. Like they could just create fake news wherever. <laughs> yeah. And that's enough. That's by the way, enough to make the CIA be like, well, I guess our agents turned against us now. So we're just going to abandon them. Um, yeah. You know what? This the, movie's the, very dumb guys. The least, even for a Fast and Furious movie. The least powerful thing in this entire movie <laughs> is the virus that everyone's chasing. Like yeah. everything else has way more potential for messing with the, like the yeah. stuff they've already got. The, cyborg. Yeah. yeah, cyborg army, the, the, complete the cyborg, control of the media. They basically crammed in three James Bond villain plots into one movie. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that is literally the the plot of the world is not enough. Is this guy wants to take control of the world's media? Right. Uh, and smash that together with Mission Impossible Two because it is very yeah, much so the Mission Impossible Two is the virus. You know, like, um, but yeah, I mean, they they he literally already is all set with it. Uh, they, they have control of the whole world's media, global media, apparently, and uh, that's not enough. Maybe it's about hubris, you know, like they already had it. They, they went too far, right? World the world is not, is not enough, indeed. Yeah. I will say uh, my prediction for what they do with this haunt stuff. So we know cyborg people can can exist, right? Right. right? Okay. Yeah. And cyborg we know they can, they can fake anything. Uh, they made people believe uh, Jason Statham's character like uh, yeah, killed his whole team. So they can fake that. So maybe, maybe the Han death. Maybe there was something like that. But we get Cyborg Han, who uh, who doesn't know who he is. He he has amnesia, and uh, it turns out, uh, yeah, somehow he he is the voice. He is the one leading this company now, and through the power of family, he becomes <laughs> a good guy again. That's the next yeah. movie. Well, I, I'm pretty frustrated if that's if that is in fact the way they're going to go with this. I'm pretty frustrated they didn't reveal. Yes, who Han is in this this movie? Just do they, it now. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, well, the thing is, he's the 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 voice is like implies that he knows Hobbs. Like, hey, yes. Hobbs, like we remember you or something. He says something like that at the end of the movie, and I don't believe Han and Hobbs ever really interacted meaningfully, as far as I recall. Um, I remember you as the guy who crashed into me, and uh, yeah, set my life uh, uh, on fire, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it it seems to like there's other choices that might be better than Han. Um, like I think Charlize Theron's character is possible. Is that did she die at the end of that one? I don't remember. But in any case, remember. also that would be the most boring because she was already like the the criminal mastermind. So now she's the criminal mastermind again. Would be I don't know, kind of dull. It could also be uh, Luke Evans, right? Uh, who is the villain in the sixth Fast and the Furious movie? Because he didn't die, and um, okay. maybe that's why he wants to get Hobbs and Shaw to work with him. Um, so that's possible, right? Yeah. Uh, Do you feel sure. like this is all going to be dealt with in a mainline Fast and Furious, or just a we're in the presents timeline? In now. the presents, yeah, in the presents universe, it's un it's unclear. What would you prefer, Jeff? Well, I kind of feel like Vin Diesel isn't going to deal with any of this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but camera cuts to Vin Diesel looking straight at the camera. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, so I I don't know, man. I feel like if if they were the only thing that makes sense for not teasing it out in this movie is leaving it so unaddressed is for mm. it to be a mainline uh, Fast and Furious. If not, why not just put it at the end of this movie to make the next, you know, Hobbs and Shaw a dealing with that thing? It's, It'd be cool if it was like a deep, deep franchise cut, but also it seems like, yeah, this stuff is so unconnected. It could be, uh, I don't know, it could be Rick Yoon from the first movie, right? He's back. He's bad. Uh, I should also point out that Michelle Rodriguez tweeted out in response to that Chris Morgan interview, uh, hashtag just for Han. She says, quote, I've been around since the beginning, way before Chris Morgan came along, and he has absolutely nothing to do with where this narrative is or where it's going, FYI. And then she kind of puts the uh, the side Who eye. dynamite? The side Drop eye the emoticon. Um, and, or emoji, <laughs> I should say. And uh, she tweeted that yesterday... Uh, night and has left that tweet up, so she clearly gives she no business. That wow. is that is hardcore. Yeah, That's it's hardcore. Up, yeah, it's crazy. We also know this movie kind of came about after the like we didn't know if it was real or not. The beefing between the D's and the Rock and uh, uh, over Fast and Furious Eight. So it's like I I, I, re- I we haven't heard Vin Diesel talk about this movie at all or what's happening with his franchise basically. I, so, I think so a lot of my stuff. my speculation is that it is real because yeah, if yeah. you go back and watch Fate of the Furious, you'll see that many of the scenes yeah. or, or there there let's put it this way, there are almost no scenes with uh The Rock and Vin Diesel in the same shot together. Mm-hmm. Uh and like there's literally a scene where like one of them's chasing the other one down. And like he literally gets there seconds after the other guy gets away. So you you essentially only see the back of one of their heads when you see the front of the other guy's head. That's great. Uh, I kind of I kind of <laughs> live for this drama. I love it when this stuff happens. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about this, but uh, just like random aside, this happened in like The Good Wife in the final season, where the main the main character Juliana Margulies's character would refuse to be uh, you know on screen together with another co star, and that beef like just existed throughout the entire season. It's it's so weird. It's so strange, and how that dynamic can basically craft uh, you know shape plot threads moving forward too, yeah. right? 
Yeah, well, or, or in this case, spawn entire movies, right? <laughs> this has been Diesel's worst nightmare, right? Because I, I love the guy. He he maybe didn't have the you know blockbuster career he wanted, but I'm so happy that this franchise like turned into a thing and it's such a huge phenomenon. But uh, like it's it is kind of all he has, right? And his if I were Vin Diesel, I would certainly have the fear of the um, bigger, younger more box office worthy guy coming in and taking my franchise. And that's basically what's happening. Well, it, it is the lowest opening fast and furious movie by quite a, quite a bit. Um, actually that's not true of, of the mo- of recent years. Right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, actually Tyrese has clearly taken sides in the feud between Vin Diesel and the rock. He, uh, had a message that he posted on social media, uh, on Instagram, that he's since deleted. So, so first of all, Hobbs and Shaw had the lowest Fast and Furious box office opening since Tokyo Drift. So it's not like the lowest ever, but it's clearly nowhere near the openings of Furious Seven or Fate of the Furious. And right. Tyrese Gibson said, "I have to show my respects for one thing. He tried. Folks called me a hater and attacked me for speaking out. Breaking up the family clearly doesn't have the value that one would assume it does." End quote. So, dude, these people like. <laughs> publicly just <laughs> throwing shade man yeah it's rough he's you know, tyrese is og family from uh the second movie right yeah. like and there, there are all these like factions man yeah it's it's complicated this, this is like its, its own game of thrones going on right now so <laughs> in any case i think i think we've covered most of the major no, topics let's this talk movie. about how dumb this movie is let me just say <laughs> at the end of this movie when they have like um vanessa kirby's character is like i have i have 18 hours left to live the Rock is like, let's fly across the world to Samoa, <laughs> a twelve-hour flight. Surely it's worth it. But um, but at least they're able to configure this backpack for her that uh, where she can still do the action scenes. No, well, even though his, she's getting brother, the drugs sucked out of her. So. Right, his brother yeah. uh, Cliff Curtis certainly knows how to handle this uh, this next stage tech. Like he he knows. There's only he, one he man in the world that could do it. A mechanic. My, <laughs> that's my brother. A mechanic from this remote region of the world. Yeah. Let me let me tell you guys this. The Samoa stuff showed up in the trailers. Like the last couple trailers had that. So the trailers were getting really long. It felt <laughs> like they were showing us the entire movie. And when they got to the point where they're just picking up like uh, the native weapons to fight these guys with guns, it seemed really dumb in the trailer. I don't think it's any better in the movie. I don't, what did you guys think about that whole last sequence? I, I do want to give a shout out to Mario Rivera, who is uh, one of the OG Slash Homecast listeners. He actually cut together a video. I don't know if you guys saw, I tweeted this. Uh, Jeff, you might have been tagging this. But basically, he cut together a video using all the trailers from Fast and Furious, like uh, Fast and Furious Presents, Hobbs and Shaw Presents. Um that essentially tells the entire story of the film using just the trailers. Yes, uh, you can. Those and, trailers and, were like three minutes long. Yeah, so, so you can basically, like if you don't want to pay money to watch Hobbs and Shaw, just watch this video. It cuts together all the trailers. You basically get the whole story of the movie just from watching this video. So I will link to that in the show notes, but I uh, want to give him a shout out. As for that final last scene, I mean, yeah, Davindra, at the end of the scene where the whole freaking like smokestack collapses and... You know, they're at the yeah. factory, whatever. I'm like, oh, like well, the, the movie's end. done, right? Yeah. It's over. Nope. Nope. Well, they had to, the very final thing is like, um, well, don't forget this is a Fast and Furious movie, right? So we got we to gotta get some cars going. We got we to start a convoy, right? A convoy to drag down this helicopter. That works. Dude, 
the someone clear that sequence started with <laughs> what would be crazy is if yeah. a helicopter had a string of cars attached to it. <laughs> and then let's work backwards from that to yes, try to. Yes. And also it's the rock. The rock has to be the one holding the helicopter down. Cause uh, this is his captain America moment. He, he pulled the yeah. captain America. Yeah. But guys, my favorite thing about that scene is how the cars link to each other. And then at the, and then when they no longer want to be linked, they just aren't. Just they aren't. just aren't. You hit the button. But that yeah. that you guys are talking about the scene that precedes the scene in which Hobson Shaw realized yes. that two people punching a guy is better than one person punching a guy. His software can't can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big realization. It's, uh, it's like wait if a we minute. punch if together, we punch it's like together. we're family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing too is. The uh, the progression of we start the fight at night in the fight or the, uh-huh, uh, the uh-huh. in the fight, it becomes day in the same fight. A torrential downpour begins like it's it is an, it's a whole world of events that happen in one. Well, action. You know, sequence. those those uh, remote islands have like these microclimates, Jeff. So I don't think mm, that's too true. And also micro totally accurate, totally accurate. micro night cycles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just I just want to say, bring it back to the car thing. At least we got the return of Nas. Nas is back <laughs> and in the action scenes. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Overall, uh, you know, I, I call this action movie the movie. You know, it's like yeah. Here's yeah. the broad strokes of an action movie. I think the movie is at its best when it is like the hand to hand combat. I actually liked it, unlike you guys. Um, I thought the stuff with the remote control, like the mind control motorcycle was kind of fun. Like when Idris Elba goes underneath the truck. The second great motorcycle chase of the year. So that's good. Uh, What, after John Wick? Was that the other one? uh, Oh, that's also good, but Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah, Incredibles 2, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, um, actually, was Incredibles 2 this year? Was that last year? That was last year, dude. Um, But, uh, yeah, the... Uh, I actually thought that was an homage to the first Fast and the Furious when oh, he yeah, goes under, under the, the truck, the, truck, yeah. the semi, uh, as it were. Um, so appreciated that. I thought it was way too long, but I had some fun with it. That's how I describe this movie. Yeah, so. same with me. I had some fun with it. Mostly not action sequences, mostly, mostly funny dialogue moments. But yeah, Kevin Hart yeah. was good. Kevin Hart was good in the movie. So I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, it sounds like we all thought it could have been better. And we're all pretty frustrated that they didn't reveal who was behind the voice because I, I, I'm going to admit, if it was Han, I would have freaking lost my mind in the theater. I would have been like yeah. so excited that this movie went to complete batshit zone. Uh, I was convinced it was um, it was um, <laughs> I was convinced it was Ryan Reynolds. Oh, because <laughs> it sounds like him. I don't know. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good. It sounded like a, his voice sounded like him to me. As the but. chat room, as Douglas uh, in the chat room was saying, got to bring Keanu into this franchise too. That yeah. was uh, a rumor for a while too. So we'll see. We'll see. They're all within Keanu's the same not gonna, Keanu's not going to sully himself with some side project. <laughs> it has to be mainline Fast and Furious. You know Lu has a good good uh, thing in the chat where he says, given the low openings of Rampage, Skyscraper, and now Hobbs and Shaw, is The Rock actually not the big movie star everyone thinks he is? I, mm. I would say, yeah, The Rock's... Yeah. The Rock is best when he is part of a very well-regarded franchise. I would, I would say... It's not quite cooking. It's like a light simmer. Basically, yeah, I would say it's he's it's he has had difficulty opening a movie on just the strength of him alone. But you stick him in a franchise like Fast and the Furious or 
um, uh, Jumanji, right? He and he's picked bad movies. He picked bad movies. And like, he's I well, think... and also he's like playing relatively uninteresting characters in them. Right? It's the like, same. It, it he keeps picking the same movie. Yeah. By the way, like that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's our review of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Stay tuned. Oh, I should also mention that uh, the theme song for this podcast can be found at adamwarrock.com. Uh, and our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what's happening next week on the podcast. In the meantime, Devin your heart or where can find more of your work on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. I'm also doing a tech show at nomortech.net. That's now with a K. How about you, Jeff? You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. If you want to see how I did the end of Hobbs and Shaw uh, in my D&D campaign, you can watch The Dungeon Run on YouTube if you search for The Dungeon Run. Or as an audio podcast, uh, it's fun to listen to like an audiobook as well. Uh, or you can watch it live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. I also do a video game podcast called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Devendra and Jeff referred to Succession, the HBO original series that's coming back this Sunday. Um, I am actually launching a new podcast called The Sweet Smell of Succession. It's about wow. Succession. <laughs> It's a weekly recap podcast that I'm doing with Tara Ariano, who I'm a big fan of from her days uh, all the way back to Television Without Pity. She also hosts a podcast called Extra Hot Great. But yeah, you mm-hmm. can find this podcast at SuccessionPodcast.com. Very easy to remember. SuccessionPodcast.com. Uh, and this is my favorite show on TV right now. Um, yeah. It's probably my favorite show of the year. Uh, For sure. It's so incredible. SuccessionPodcast.com. Check out Succession when it debuts on August 11th on HBO. More people got to get into the show. Next week, uh, we're going to take the week off because it's been a really long and brutal summer uh, in terms of movie quality. And uh, also, I have a very cool interview that I did for one of my other podcasts, Culturally Relevant. I interviewed Brian Raftery, and we talked about 1999 uh, as being – the best movie year ever. Um, he just wrote a book called Best Movie Year Ever about 1999. Guys, 1999, incredible movies. Pretty big year, yeah. The Matrix, Fight Club, Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, uh, Election. The, the It goes, you know, Blair Witch Project. This goes on and on about all the incredible movies that came out that year. So he wrote a book about it. It's a really fun read, and we had a great conversation about it. So uh, there's going to be no Slash Homecast, but on this feed, there will be that interview, um, which is going to be a cross post from the Culturally Relevant podcast. The week after next week, we're going to come back with a, with a regular episode, and uh, we will be discussing The Boys, the Amazon original series on the show. Well, some subset of us will be discussing The Boys uh, on this podcast, the Slash Homecast, and that should be a lot of fun as well. So that's what we have in store the next two weeks. Should be fun. Um, Hope you stick around. There's some cool stuff coming on this podcast feed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. We watch the 